Hey everybody, welcome to Catfish Weekly. Tonight's show is sponsored by Whiskerware Apparel, along with Chuck Davis. I'm Lyle Stokes, and we are going to start the show tonight talking about the 2016 Catfish Conference. Um, Chuck, I, I just can't believe how big a success that event was down there in Versailles, Kentucky. I, I very well run Steve and uh, Jeff Jones Marine and all involved with that. Absolutely uh, put on a great show. Uh, absolutely. You know, I just couldn't believe, you know, we were sitting there, um, you know, doing our last minute touches before the, uh, before they were supposed to open the door. And, um, I couldn't believe how many people was coming through the door. And when I looked at my phone and it was only eight 30, it wasn't even time for it to open yet. And, you know, guys were just swarming by us already. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. You know, it really was. We got there uh, about 8 o'clock, and uh, I guess they had opened the doors up for the vendors and everybody to get their stuff in there and, and uh, get all their booths set up and the final this and that and for us to do get the show stuff set up. And there was already people in there. When they found out that they was letting vendors in, they, they just went in, you know, with them and started looking around. And I think that everybody thought that there was not going to be any walking around room, but it was very comfortable in the back. You know, we took a break for uh, uh, lunch and, and between shows and stuff. Uh, it was There was a lot of people in there. Now, I'm not going to say there wasn't because there was a lot of people in there, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, too crowded. You could make it your way around in there and uh, – Everybody was well-behaved, well-mannered. Everybody got along. Everybody had a great time. That's the way things like that are supposed to be run, and it was very impressive um, for them to put that together in about 60 days and come off as well as it did. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, the, there's no way uh, you could have any any other type of event um come off this well i mean everybody was so excited about it you know the the people who um could make it you know that they, they made it uh, i know a lot of people had to work and it, it about killed them not to make it but um you know there's always next year for them guys um you know and, and everybody knows uh, all they gotta do is ask anybody else they'll let them know what happened what was going on so um <laughs> You know, when we sat down and talked to Steve on that last episode uh, of the show at the end, and uh, you know, he said that we may have that he may have to make it a you know a longer event, you know, two or three days, um, you know, so m more people have a chance to go. You know, some you know if it had been on a Sunday, uh, it may have been a whole different venue. Oh, oh yeah, I, I agree, and I. Um... I cannot imagine that um, it would be less than two days next next year. I, now, I'm not saying that because I know, because I do not know, but uh, the amount of people and the numbers that was there one day, uh, and a lot of them, like you say, they had to work or do this or do that, body run up and, and been there the second day. So uh, I, I anticipate it being a two-day event next time. And, um I, I just, I can't, you know, I was so disappointed when I found out Jim Patterson was, James Patterson was there and I didn't get to visit with him. And, you know, you and I talked about that before we started the show. And, and, uh, James had sent me an email this morning and, and he tried to get up there with us and, 
And, uh, man, what a day that would have been if we could have got Patterson on the show for, you know, I don't believe we could have not had him on there for as long as he would sit there because uh, true icon in the sport, he does everything the correct way. I mean, he's he's everybody's hero. And, and if we could have got him up there. And uh, I, I think that there was a few people that didn't know where we was at or, or thought maybe we didn't come or something because they was going in and out the back door about as fast as they was going in and out the front door where we was. Yes, when I went back and I walked through um, – <laughs> A couple of times i didn't get to spend very much time back there but i mean i've seen tons of people that never came through where we were at yep yep and and you know steve had put up a uh, a um video him and lisa done a video where they kind of walked through there and and uh you know my gosh, it, it it was just busy the whole day. And, you know, I had talked to, to Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein and Josh Mays and, and uh, my buddy uh, Jason Rath, and, and they'd done the uh, uh, rod stuff that they do, Tangle with Catfish Rods. They had a booth set up, and they had rods, and they had – I don't remember now if they had two or three series of their rods, and they had uh, uh, shirts and hats and stuff. And, and now remember that the show was supposed to oh, – open up down there at nine o'clock and enough people had been through the door that at nine o'clock one series of what they brought was sold out at night but it was sold out at the time that uh the show was supposed to start so that just gives you an idea how many people went through there uh and, and do this and uh you know wow if they get a year to prepare for the next one uh what's it gonna be like yeah, right, because, you know, these guys, you know, that get these product, you know, a lot of them have to get their stuff from overseas, get orders in. Um, you know, they didn't have time to, to equip for something of this magnitude. They wasn't quite ready. They just had their, you know, their reg regular stuff on hand, you know, and just brought with them what they could. Um, yep. You know, there's going to be guys, you know, packing trailers next time. Yeah, and that's right. And, you know, Chris Jones that was there, uh, Catfish Pursuit Guide Service. Chris come down from around the Kansas City area. Brad Kilpatrick was there. Uh, Chris Flores from New Mexico. The boys from Arizona. Man, what a great bunch of guys them guys are. And and we had a little issue with the, with their uh, video and audio and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. We was doing an interview, and I moved the mic so it would be closer because he was kind of quiet spoken, and, and we lost audio. And we have him scheduled to redo that on our show. We're going to do a full show with Bobby Wright, uh, and they have it going on down in Arizona. They have a 180-boat catfish tournament uh, in Arizona. Uh, you know, we need to have them kind of people in the show. They are so conservation-minded about saving those big fish and uh, uh, making it the way it should be. They run a professional deal, and we're going to get them on here, and we'll go back over some of the topics that we talked about because we lost out on there. And you and I sit down with with one of the top guides in the, in the world down there, Jason Bridges. What a hoot he is. I mean, he's just such a great guy and so knowledgeable and – and he can talk about catfishing. He can talk about bait. He can talk about equipment. He can talk about your boat. He'll talk about anything, and yet he, he wants to make sure that everybody understands how important the conservation is so we have 
uh, breeding size, trophy size, whatever you'll call them, fish for future generations. And he's just so good. And uh, we had a really good show with, with Jason. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was worth the whole day for me. Um, we've been trying to get him on the show for so long, and he's always so busy, you know, with his son's football and, and you know, guiding. Um, you know, last year during the spawn, we was trying to get him on, and um, people was even wanting to go out during the spawn. You know, they were calling him, say, hey, let's go fishing. He's like, I, I, I got the month off. And they're like, I don't care. Let's go fishing. <laughs> you know, so – you know, and he went to, you know, they go, they go to the beach every year for a week or two or whatever. But, um, you know, f finally we got him on the show. Maybe we can get a whole night of him, uh, you know, when the spawn comes up again. He's he's all for it now. So, yeah, um, you know, and, and we had we had a really nice interview with Brad Kilpatrick from Kansas City Catfish. Uh, Brad uh, has got some stuff going on up there that's going to be really nice and and. Uh, he's been doing that for nine or 10 years and, and, uh, uh, I'm glad that he made the trip down from Kansas city. I, I you know, actually he lives in Kansas. Uh, there was some guys from Iowa that come down, uh, Phil Brown and, and, uh, uh, Josh Mays come down. They stopped and picked up Alex Nagy and they come down and talk. They had a booth set up in the back for twisted cat outdoors. And, and, and I'm not going to try to talk about everybody that was there because there is no way that I can remember them all, you know, but some of these guys traveled uh, a, a really long way. A lot of them had worked all, all day and drove all night to get there. And, uh, they was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, friendly. Like I say, I, it, I've never been around so many cat fishermen that everybody was so happy to see the other guys. It was almost like being at Monsters on the Ohio. When you pull in, everybody's, hey, how you doing, man? I ain't seen you all summer. And, and that's kind of the, the, uh, the route it was down there. Everybody was glad to see each other. And, of course, we got to visit with uh, Janet and Teresa. That was that was one of my favorite interviews because those two ladies are, are really cool people on top of being excellent fishermen, but they sure did not give out the flathead information that I was looking for. No, you you tried to get it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, she she called it. Uh, she's like, yeah. oh, you ain't getting it. Um, Is there any better people in the world than in our catfishing sport anywhere in any any kind of thing? No, it, it was, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable the, the, the type of people that we have. Um, you know, it, it's just so funny about how everybody can, you know, cut up at, at such a magnitude. And, um, I mean, it's just great. You know, it's so fun. Everybody was, uh, you know, was in a great mood. I didn't hear one negative thing said about anything. Nope. Um, and you know, that, that food trailer outside was very impressive. Uh, everybody was just loved the food. Um, you know, and everybody's worried about, is there going to be something to eat there? Um, yeah, that, that was a trailer there and they had some awesome food. Oh, it was really, really good. And, and, you know, um, I can't think of a major, uh, supplier of rods, and tackle uh, that didn't either have a product there or a company representing them. You know, Dave Ashby uh, had all of his stuff that he sells, and he's got Abu Garcia and Penn and all that stuff. And 
uh, he handles, I guess, nearly every kind of hook that you could have. And uh, uh, Ken with Fat Boys Rods was there. Uh, the boys with the Big Cat Fever Rods was there. The, the Warrior Cat Rods was there. Uh, Tangle with Catfish guys was there. You know, we had a few of our black horse rods there. If you wanted to look at a fishing rod of, of a particular kind, it was there. If you wanted to look at something uh, professionally made and different that, than what you can buy off a store, you could find it there. I mean, it was so well represented with every facet of, of the thing. And the seminars, you know, you and I didn't get to see those seminars. And, and Steve's going to try to get them up, I understand, uh, and put them on, on uh, YouTube so we can watch them. But, you know, Doing what we do, we could we didn't get a chance to break away. And I know Dave Shipman and and uh, Carl Morris and uh, Aaron Wheatley and all the Larry Muse, all the guys that put on these these uh, seminars and talked about different things. I want to see that stuff. I'm anxious for them to get it up so we can watch it. And and uh, you know I, I know that it was a great thing. And Dave putting on that deal about tournament live wells has got to be extremely interesting because that's something that that I feel personally we all need to uh, pay attention to because we got to preserve these fish. And, and I know Dave done a great job and I'm real anxious uh, to watch that and, and see his presentation. And of course, uh, Carl Morris and, and some of them guys, uh, Dave Shipman, when they speak, Larry Muse, you, you need to be around there listening, you know, because they're, they're going to tell you good information and you need to be paying attention because if you pick up one thing from them guys, uh, that might be what it takes to put you over the top at your next tournament. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you know, uh, fish life, you know, they tried to get a booth and they was, there was no more available. Um, you know, so he came up anyway, you know, and he carried some of his product product around and, um, he, he, you know, around lunchtime, he, he, he had already seen everything he wanted to see, but he was not going to miss the, um, the live well seminar with Dave. Uh, he hung around all that time. It was one of the last ones of the day and he hung around just for that. Um, you know, and that, that's what he does. He's into the, uh, you know, the, the live well products and, um, you know, they're getting into the, uh, oxygen, uh, setups and all that stuff. And, you know, he stayed, you know, that extra three or four hours to make sure that he was um, able to see that seminar. You know, I want, before we get Craig on here, and I know people are wanting to get Craig on here, and, and I want to get him on here. I'm going to send him a link to, to get in the show in just a second. I, I got to give a shout out to a guy that, that we've talked about a few times, but really haven't expanded on. But our friends that come up from Arizona, Bobby Wright and them guys, they, they flew in here and rented them a vehicle and come down to the catfish seminar. And Captain Scott Manning took them guys out after that conference and put them on some great fish. I've been looking at pictures posted up on Facebook all day because I've been answering messages and emails all day and, and returning phone calls that we missed while we was gone. And Scott actually put them guys on some outstanding fish i know them guys had a blast and scott i know you're in the chat tonight thank you so much for for treating our our fellow cat fishermen the way you do that was a professional thing that you done by taking them guys out after being in the show 
down at that conference all day and spending your time with them guys. I know they had a blast, and thank you for doing that. Uh, that's a trip that I'm sure them guys will remember from now on, and, and that's just a really cool deal that you've done. Yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to uh, go through that and see it. I seen a couple of the pictures today, and I just hadn't had time to sit down and look through them yet. But, you know, the couple of pictures I've seen, that, I mean, they had a ball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we talk about this, you know, and people, I guess, think that, that we're full of stuff. But these, this is what separates the catfishing guys from most other uh, water sports, you know. Everybody that that we uh, visit with down there, they're helpful. They're willing to help. They want to be. Uh, they want to tell you information. If you want to know it, you can go up to any one of them guys, and they're not going to give you a bunch of bull. They're going to tell you the straight stuff. They may not give you their fishing spot, but they'll tell you if they're on, you know, if they're on structure or if they're on uh, ledges or if they're out in the main creek channel or whatever it is. And uh, they're so helpful, you know, if you're having bait and you're asking questions about bait, they'll tell you, you know, what they look for when they're getting bait or, or how they're going about doing it. Uh, if you're having problems with your equipment, uh, whether it be a boat or uh, how it's set up, uh, rods, reels, line, something that doesn't work for them may not work for you or may or may not, you know, and, and they'll all sit down and visit with you and, and try to help you out and keep everybody going. And I don't know of any other sport in the world, uh, especially in the fishing sport that's going to do that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, them guys that, that in them bass tournaments, they're so competitive and we are too. But when you go to, to these things uh, and these guys are, are doing seminars and they're telling you secrets that took them years to learn. Um, it, it's amazing. You know, it really is. And, and uh, I, I just, while we're waiting on Craig to get in here, we had the opportunity uh, to eat dinner with uh, Doc and Lynn Lang and, their, and Doc's new fishing partner and his wife the other night, Friday night. And it was a, a fun time. Uh, poor Lynn, she didn't uh, get her meal quite like she wanted it, but the rest of us had, had a really outstanding meal. Um, and the next night, Saturday night, we, we sat down with uh, Justin Wolf and, and Matt Marshall and his wife, Casey, and Joe Lucky and his two little girls and his wife. You know, we had the greatest time. We had to wait an hour uh, to be seated in this restaurant. And I'm I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that, that Joe's daughters are like four and six. And they was the best little things. They never, uh, you know, they just happy to be there and sit down and well-behaved, well-mannered kids. I mean, you just, I'm just so impressed with everybody in the catfish industry. And, every, and like, like I say, we get down there to that, to that show and everybody is raring to go. They want to be there and, uh, um, it's just way cool. That's all there is to it. It's just way cool. <laughs> What's going on, Craig? Not much. What's going on, Chuck? Not a lot, man. Right on. Hey, Lyle. Hey, thanks for joining us, buddy. How's it going? Good. Just sat down for a little bit. My wife's cooking supper. And figured I'd talk about some catfishing. That's what I like to do. I don't know about you all. 
<laughs> you know, we've been talking about catfishing most of the weekend, but I think we've got another night in us. Yeah, I sure would have liked to make it down there. Uh, you know, uh, with the baby on the way and everything, it's pretty busy around here. I know that it is, but, um, you know, if things settle down and get lined out next year, uh, a bunch of us Missouri boys can all gang up and, and take us a road trip down there. Probably take several vehicles, but we can all follow one another and go down there and uh, and let them know what Missouri fishing's all about. Well, I, we tend to do that at about every tournament. We try to all make it. I, I <laughs> bunch of us down there at Wheeler, several. Yeah, you know that's that's right. We go down to visit with Daniel for the Winter Blues on Wheeler, and there there's a lot. Missouri is well represented when we get there. Yes, sir, and uh, I absolutely love it down there in Alabama. I lived in Mississippi for quite a while, and I didn't ever fish Wheeler Lake. I fished Pickwick a lot, but I sure wish I'd have known about it because I'd have been on it all the time. Absolutely, you know, and there's. Um, I hate it that they're having that gill net issue going on down there because if they're not careful, they're going to lose one of the great blue cat fisheries there is in the United States, and there's no reason for that. Them guys really need to get on, on that and get it shut down before it gets too bad. But uh, that is uh, – I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that there's more big fish caught there than there is anywhere in the world, but I do believe that there's more big fish caught consistently there. I'd uh, say that is a very good point you made there. Uh, there's a lot of big fish everywhere, but it sure seems like they get caught a lot more often down there. Do. You know, they do. And, and when I'm talking about big fish, I'm talking 50-plus. Uh, yeah. they, they get some 100-pounders down there and get a lot of them in the 70, 80, 90 range, but but it's consistently. You, they, you know, they, they catch them down there a lot, and uh, uh, that's just a really cool deal that they got going on down there, and if they can keep it, uh, maintained, and these other states that are wondering why people are traveling to Alabama and out uh, out there where Zach Royce is and those lakes that he fished, if they wonder why that people are driving them distances, folks, it's because you don't put the regulations in effect. You, you pass the buck on and you're fooling around and dragging your feet about getting that sun, and I'm talking about the MDC now. You boys know I'm talking about you. But you get them regulations passed, and you'll have that kind of participation in our state and every other state that gets it done. I talked to an MDC agent about two a uh, year and a half ago, and I asked him about that. And I talked about Alabama and other places. He seemed oblivious to it, and he goes, well, why would we want to do that? There's plenty of fish in the Missouri River. And I said, but you, you don't understand that, you know, there's people that trot line, and which I'm not against it at all. I mean, people go out with their family. I did it when I was a kid. Sure, but, me too. You know, that's how we learned. That's how we got started. And uh, But I do believe that those bigger fish need to be released, and he just didn't see it that way. He, he was totally against it. Well, you know, right there is part of the problem. The guy works for the Missouri Department of Conservation, and he is part of the problem and not part of the solution. Uh, he, he needs to get on board and pay attention to what's going on because if, if the all these places around here that are mad because they don't have any customers uh, in the winter time or the fall or spring because the fishing's not that good because they're not catching big fish, well, it's because you don't get those regulations put in effect because I promise you, Jason Bridges, Mike Mitchell, them guys, you wait in line to get a trip with them. Them blues are caught year-round. Those guys, when it's cold and nasty out, 
they're guiding every day while the rest of them are sitting around here wondering why they ain't making no money. Exactly. Well, it's because there's no, there's not a consistent number of big fish. You put big fish in any lake or any body of water, and people are going to come get them. And when they come to fish for them to catch and release, keep your two over thirty-four if you yeah. want to, but but don't keep any more than that. These places will will thrive. I never seen the amount of people stack in motels as they do oh, around Wheeler Lake. Everything. They yep, that's correct. They they need to they need to plant their feet real firmly, do a reach around and snatch their head out of their butt and see what they're missing out on and, and make these regulations happen. Uh, every state that don't have them needs to get it done and that dragging your feet and not getting it done is all it's doing is costing uh, uh, money for, for out-of-state license. It's costing money for the gas stations, the motels, the guys, it, everything. You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, you guys need to wake up and get it done. Chuck, have you got some stuff for Craig tonight? Uh, yeah. Did uh, did y'all see that uh, the results on the uh, the the Cabela's uh, Tekawani, uh tournament Saturday? I did not. I've been wanting to call Justin Cook, and I haven't got around to it yet because I think he's won it the past two years in a row. So this is news to me. I haven't yeah. heard results. Uh, you know them uh, them guys from Kansas. You know they. You know, I was talking to uh, Brad Kilpatrick yesterday, and I said, well, you know, some of your guys came down there again and, uh, you know, did it. And he says, you know, these, these guys that fish the Missouri River, they just go down there and eat that lake up. I mean, that, that's just nothing to them. That's like a farm pond. <laughs> um, you know, and we was talking about that Saturday about, you know, how – how uh, rough the Missouri River is. You know, it's untamed. It's, you know, it's got so much current, you know, and these guys get to these places where they can really go out and, you know, and, and search for fish and do stuff like that. You know, they, these guys do really good. Um, they, um, I can't remember, Kevin Parks, I can't remember who his partner was, but they, they won it Saturday. Really? Yeah. So yeah, them guys from Kansas, they just seem to go down there and you know dominate it. You know, year after year. I think that the past few years, I think somebody from Kansas or Missouri has you know went down there and won it. Yeah, I think uh, Justin Cook and uh, Gary Ryan last year won it, and then the year before that, Justin Cook and Roger Gerloff won it. Yeah. And uh, but ever the the guys from Kansas, I think, were right behind them. It wasn't by much, you know. I mean, they Justin Cook is a very good fisherman. I mean, he's he's very very good. That guy, I I don't know if he's just lucky, but he's good. There's for, that's for sure. He's lucky enough; it makes him good. Well, he can he can jump in a mud hole where there ain't but six inches of water to be three inch diameter and catch a forty pound fish. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah, that is no joke. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I follow most all these guys, and you know, ever it don't matter what part of the country one of these tournaments are in, um, you know, I always I always scan up and down the leaderboard, and, and you know, see how everybody did, and you know, see who you know had a bad day. <laughs> um, you know, it just seems like the the local guys. I don't know if they got the the honey hole syndrome or uh, you know the the home lake curse or what, but you know those guys that seem like it live around that lake. You know when it's tournament day, they just can't get it done. 
Uh, apparently, I just got a message and it said Cook got second. I don't know with what weight, but that's what I was just told. So somebody's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Justin Cook and Gary Ryan, um, they came in second place by 0.2 pounds. It's probably uh, a good thing I didn't Ter call. <laughs> yeah, Ke Kevin Parks and uh, Terry Fincher came in first. Oh. Um, Robert Stanley and Clyde Stanley came in fourth. Mm. You know, so, you know, so them guys are, you know, going down there year after year, and they're getting it done. <laughs> Robert um, Stanley put some giant fish in the boat now. Oh yeah. So you know, uh, only only fifteen boats weighed fish in. So you know it. It's um. You know that them guys that fish that uh you know most of them guys do fish the, the Kansas City Cats trail right yes yes yeah so I mean just, just, that's probably one of the most competitive trails in the country you know uh, uh, not not to interrupt your your, uh, your part of this here Chuck but Craig I have to think that uh, in the central Missouri and it doesn't really matter uh, Kansas City across to St. Louis uh, if you could come up here and, and put a licking on these guys that we got, you can compete with anybody in the United States. I I can agree with that. There's probably I I don't have I could count on my fingers and toes and still not have enough room to count all the fishermen that are really good in this area. They are there are some top notch fish cat fishermen in this area. There, there is, and, and you know, uh, we had done some Calcuttas at some of them tournaments, and a lot of times, uh, you know, I would buy them or try to buy some of the guys. I didn't have big enough pocket to buy them all, you know, because you know one of them guys is going to get the money, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, they're going to be right there at it most of the time. I mean, there is definitely some great fishermen in it, and uh, for a guy starting out, it can be pretty discouraging, you know. I've seen it several times, and the best part about me is I was around most of those guys when I started and you learn a lot from them they don't give you the whole they don't just tell you everything but you watch you learn and what's that Lyle? That, that's exactly right and you know we was talking about all them boys and, and I'm going to tell you right now Marty and, and Roger Gerloff um, if they're in a tournament they are a contender Yes, they are. Justin Cook and all them guys, they're contenders too. But when them Gerloff boys show up, but their plan is to take your money with them when they go home. They want to do that, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there's anybody that wants to do it more. I really don't. I, no, and, and everybody that we've talked about are outstanding people. You know, they're they're friendly, they're nice, they're helpful to people that, that don't have the correct information. They'll sit down and visit with you and, and just good all-around guys, you know. Uh, and, and we're talking with the circles with, with Brent Riddle and and oh. uh, Ken, Ken Cargill, all them guys. You know, oh. it's just not two or three. You, you can't name them all because you can't remember them all. No, there's, there's John a... Jameson, he's in that group, you know. He is. There is a ton of cat fishermen around here that are great guys. You know, they really are. That's that's fact. I mean, the meeting spot has always been Tombstone Tackle. That there with Adam. I mean, those guys up there. You can go up there at five o'clock in the afternoon, and they're usually playing cards or something. And you have to wear your muck boots when you go in here because you know how deep it's going to be. 
I do, as a matter of fact. I go in there and see Adam quite often. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we was talking to Brad Saturday about, you know, the, the Mississippi River Monster Tournament. You know, it, it's only seven hours from Kansas City, so there's going to be a slew of them guys hitting that Mississippi River. Um, you know, and no telling how many guys are coming from the East Coast because they're going to have about the same drive. Um, and this is going to be one of the, you know, most centralized, biggest tournaments. You know, the, the Monster in Ohio is big, um, but don't have the really the quality of the river the Mississippi's got. You know, and them Kansas City guys, they're used to that Missouri, which, you know, has got similar current and stuff like that as the Mississippi. Um I think this is going to be one of the biggest throwdowns um, ever, um, competition-wise. Uh, you know, the the payday is going to be big. Um, you know, and there's going to be some great competition, and it's going to be really exciting watching this tournament um, form and uh, up till the weigh-ins finished. It's going to be a nail-biter. I would say you're correct. There's a lot of people going that. To that tournament a bunch and I, ho I hope to be there too that's going to be a, a very big tournament uh, there'll be a lot of people I'm curious to just see how many boats show up uh, I mean there's no telling how many people will show up it's going to be huge you won't be able to find a hotel room if you ain't got your hotel room right now you may be driving 50 miles I mean it, it's going to be packed oh yeah it's going to be um you know, the I, I see people being there for, you know, taking vacation around this, being there for at least a week. You know, some guys maybe, you know, three or four days, but that that's probably going to be the minimum. I mean, this is going to be probably the, you know, one of the biggest uh, events uh, for an economy, uh, I believe, ever in, in catfishing because I think, you know, the you know, Memphis – um, they've got everything they need to accommodate, you know, as many as as many as that can be brought. So, um, I I see a lot of money being spent, and um, you know, I see next year being, you know, a lot bigger. It's going to be because, you know, he George Young Jr. has got some stuff to prove, and after he proves it this year, there's guys waiting to sign on. You know, they they don't want to sign this year. They they want to see what what he's going to be able to do. But um, you know, money wise, I think uh, next year will probably be a whole lot bigger, and that's really going to you know bring the competition uh, because there's there's going to be a purse there that everybody's going to want a piece of. So, um, who you planning on? Uh, fishing it with if you're able to go this year I would say my dad Brad Shoemate will probably be who I'm fishing with most of the year this year uh, he just uh, bought purchased a uh, uh, brand new sea arc uh, it's a 24 footer and uh, he's pretty excited about it I think he's getting it uh, tomorrow he's going to pick it up at noon so I think we plan on fishing the sea arc tournament and that tournament there and Definitely the uh, Brunswick tournament that Brad's putting on. I think it's August the sixth. Uh, it's at ten thousand dollars right now, and it's only 
February, so there's no telling how big that tournament will be. I mean, that's always a really good tournament. Did did they ever uh, get a number on how many entries they have in that now? I have not talked to Brad. I talked to him a little bit, uh, but I did not ask him about that. I don't know. Okay. I can't remember what it was last year, but it was uh, it was. I'm sure it was it was over a hundred last year. Yeah, and the year before it was giant too. Yes, it was. I believe it was over a hundred then too. I know. I know the prize last year was eight thousand. I believe is what it was. And it's it's over the way over that now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's way over that. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's going it's going to be a great event, and you know. Uh, these guys from out out of state and stuff, you know, I know some of them are a little uh, uh, skeptical about that Mississippi River or the Missouri River, but it, it's not that you can't you can't fish that river. It's not that you can't travel it during the night or anything. You just have to watch what you're doing. But you got to do that any place you go. Yes, you do. That's absolutely true. Uh, it's uh, the river can be very humbling. Um, it can be dangerous. You definitely have to pay attention. And uh, but yeah, you know, I've never. The biggest thing is high water. Uh, most of the time, when the water's low, you can see the dikes. But there's a there's a fringe there where you can where the dikes are just under the water. But most of the time, I mean, nowadays everybody has the technology that shows them where the dikes are. And I'm telling you, my Navionics card is spot on. There's only a few places on the river, and I've been from. Uh, up past St. Joe all the way to St. Louis. I've been on every mile of the river, and it's it's pretty well spot on on the dikes. I can just about drive right to it. If it's underwater, go around it, whatever I need to do. It's not as bad as everybody thinks. No, it's not. And, but you need to bring your big anchor and plan on uh, plan on there being current because, you know, and, and I've talked about this before, and, and I'm not really trying to dwell on it, but when people talk about... Uh, their their rivers and their their waterways having lots of current. Most of them uh, have never seen current like we have. No. And no. Uh, you need a good anchor to hold you, and and uh, it's it's it, it can be done. It's it's not impossible. And I won't probably be drifting or anything like that in a night tournament. I might early, uh, you know, right. when the the stuff is. But but bring your good stuff and. and uh, they catch a lot of 60-plus pounders over in that area. I mean, a lot of them. There's been a lot caught here in the past few weeks. I mean, there's guys throwing fish back, and it's, I mean, the fish that I caught in that tournament last weekend, it had been hooked. Somebody had thrown it back. It still had the, you could see it was swell up right there where you, you could see where it was hooked. And, uh, you know, the fish are growing because the guys are throwing it back. There's a lot of big fish caught on the Missouri River. You know, and that stems from them stopping commercial fishing on that river. That is absolutely correct. Sorry to cut you off, Chuck. <laughs> so so the, these tournaments that uh, you and your dad have planned, which one are you the, you the most excited and looking forward to the most? Sea Arc tournament. That's uh, what I'm excited about. <laughs> because that is prime time to fish that lake right there. Uh, prime time. Oh yeah, man, that's gonna be some, uh, you know, that's gonna be some really good competition too. And, um, you know, from all the guys I talked to that go and fish it, they everybody has a really good time. 
Oh, well, I can't wait. This will be the first one I've got to fish. I've, I've, I've always wanted to fish it and never really, you know, had an opportunity to, and I'll be, uh, we're, we're going to have a great time. Yeah, I wish they, they would just open it up to uh, guys that didn't have, I, you know, uh, you know, the other boat companies, you know, they could jump on board and do, do stuff similar, but, you know, nobody's uh, doing it as, as much for catfishing right now as Sea Ark is. There's a, some other boat companies jumping on board, helping other trails, you know, the Lund's, you know, helping Kansas City Cats out huge. Um, you know, beyond you know with the stuff they've been doing, and it's going to be hard for anybody to uh, just jump in and and hands down, you know, outdo them. There's no way. Oh no, it would be definitely hard. There's people out there with the money to do it, but. Uh, I mean, the sport's growing, you know, five more years, no telling where it'll be at. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, but the, there's so many sea arcs out there, I don't think any other boat company um, could actually hold a tournament and, and just invite uh, the boat owners for, for that manufacturer and, and have the turnout that sea arc has. Yeah, I, I believe that. There is a lot of sea arcs. So they're a great boat. I mean... A great boat. Yeah, I mean that they were the you know the first one to really <laughs> cater to the cat fishermen, you know, and they're still still doing a great job doing it. Uh, other boat companies are trying to jump out there and uh, compete with them, and they are taking some sales from them. But um, you know, people still right there in line. Um, sea Ark being on back ordered most of the time with uh, a lot of their different boats you know you can still find a bunch of them at the dealership but you know if you want something a little bit special you know it's going to take you a while to get it that's how um, how many boats that they're turning out of that place yes sir uh, I know of another guy who he just he ordered one earlier too and he had to wait about a month I think it was to get his but uh there's a lot around here that have sea arc, and they really like them. Oh yeah. Um, <coughs> so, so uh, your favorite body of water to fish, uh, you know, within a few hours of your house, that the Missouri River. It's hands down, Missouri River. Do, do you get the? Do you go and uh, fish those uh, Lake of the Ozarks and those lakes over in there also? Oh yeah, I I went to the Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. Oh, did you? Yeah. How do you like how do you like those lakes? I like them. They're uh, you know there there's a lot of catfish in those lakes. There's a lot a lot of catfish, and uh, you may go down there and catch twenty to thirty fish you know in a day easily. Um, uh, they have the slot limit in effect right now. I believe it's twenty six to thirty four, and it seems to be working. Uh, we caught a lot of fish in the slot. I think we had 10 in the slot. We caught 20. Uh, lost numerous at the boat, you know, small fish. We didn't catch any big fish, but uh, the slot limit down there is definitely helping, and I recommend anybody who's starting to catfish to try that body of water because it's the, the, it's a great fishery, and, you know, within a few years with the slot limit they have now, it's going to get a lot better. 
So that's a good place if you're just starting out to get out there and try different techniques, start catching fish and uh, and, and really getting motivated and, and liking uh, and getting to where you want to get out there and compete with the other guys. Yes, I, I do believe that if, you know, a lot of springtime is probably a, one of the best times to go. This year the, the winter has been rather mild. So the fish have, I mean, we were catching fish in 16 foot of water, you know, and it's February. <laughs> I mean, normally you're fishing, you know, 60 foot, and it's just, it's a lot different right now than what it normally is, but there's fish everywhere. I mean, it was constant. You set up a place, your rods are going down. It's like fishing a farm pond that was way overpopulated, you know. it. There's a lot of small fish down there, but if you want to get, you know, into it, that, that would be my best recommendation is to go down there and have a blast take the kids whatever you need to do but if you're wanting to start catfishing that's a good place to go so these guys that's wanting to get out there and do that what kind of baits you recommend them to go out there and uh, uh, to have with them when they go try fresh shed is probably the best you can have out there and it, it's all over that lake uh, uh, it, it is absolutely everywhere we probably caught 300 you know seven to ten inch shed and three throws last night. It's not always like that. You know, they're there, but they're harder to find different weather conditions, push them different places. And so so those guys that are going and paying that high price for skipjack out in that area, you you would rather go out and use skipjack in those areas hands down than going and paying that high price for skipjack and using those? I, I would rather use shed, yes on the Lake of the Ozarks now, I do know that there's skipjack around there. There is skipjack in that water, and those fish will bite on skipjack. But as, you know, as available as the shad is, I mean, I believe on that body of water, 90% of the year, that's going to be your best bait to use. Great. And uh, what about on the Missouri River? Is there a skipjack up in the Missouri? Oh, yeah. There's probably more so towards farther north you go and then towards St. Louis there's probably more skipjack there and they're here uh, it seems like there's more moon eye probably or gold eye whatever you want to call it around this area than anything but I've caught a lot of fish on skipjack you know during the summertime around here and that seems to be the best time to use it there's people that catch fish on skipjack all year round but for me skipjack during the summer uh, you know, maybe late spring, but shed, live shed or shed most other times, wintertime especially. Well, I've talked to a bunch of guys up on the, uh, you know, on parts of the Ohio River that, you know, uh, that fish would skipjack and uh, moon eye, and a lot of them say they prefer moon eye over skipjack, even though there is skipjack in that water. Um, you know, that, that they'll they'll win a tournament on moon eye and uh you know they'll they'll go out there after moon eye day after day just to get enough to fish one day um you know that's how much they believe in it i i believe that too i i've probably caught more moon eye than i have shed on this stretch of river here next to me and some big ones and they work really good i mean they're good bait but sometimes they're they're hard to catch, you know. Anymore, it seems the Asian carp have pretty well taken over. Uh, the, I mean, the bait's still there. I mean, I see it on the sonar. It's just, you know, catching it. It, it's tough. There's places to go, 
on the river to catch it. But that moon eye is pretty good stuff. If you if you get some moon eye, you better hang on to it and not tell anybody about it because somebody's going to want it. Yeah, that's what I've heard, man. I've never been able to use it. And uh, next time I go up to Owensboro, um, I'm going to try to target some and, and use some of that. And, and taking over uh, are the, a lot of the guys uh, you know turning to it since it's so available and, and doing really well on it well you know uh, a lot of guys do use Asian carp um, most of the time I, I don't like to use it until the water gets hot I mean it's got to be it's got to be hot now this previous year the water was pretty high and I didn't catch a whole lot of fish on Asian carp uh, the year before, I caught uh, several fish on Asian carp. I didn't hardly have to throw any skipjack. I mean, the fish I caught was on Asian carp. I, I caught two in the 80s, and they both come on Asian carp. And I didn't have, you know, we caught a lot of fish the year prior, and most of it come off Asian carp during the summer. But it's, you know, some guys are using it during the winter. I believe, I don't, I think it was, I don't know if it was this year, Lyle, or if it was a year before, the guy caught a 90-some pounder, I think wasn't very far from here, Herman or somewhere around in that area. Right. Yeah. The, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Craig. The hotter the water gets, the better I like it. But I know even some of the guides have told me that there's so much Asian carp in the water now, if they can get them small enough, of course, you can't keep them live. you got to kill them. But they're using that stuff year-round now for bait when the bait gets really hard to find because Asian carp is never hard to find. No, it isn't. That's for sure. It, it's got to be used for something. <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of just taking over. They're selling it at uh, Gerbs now. Uh, I think it's Gerbs there in Columbia. They're selling oh. Asian carp. Cool. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. All right, uh, Craig, I'm going to turn you over to Lyle. I'm sure he's got a few things for you. And okay. uh, I've, it's been great talking to you, and I'm glad I got a chance to have you on the show and pick your brain a little bit. Heck yeah, Chuck. We'll, uh, we'll be seeing you again I'm shortly, I'm sure, somewhere. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, I gotta, before we get started with the fishing stuff, you're about to become a new dad. How's all that working out and going good? It's working great. I don't know. Maybe I can turn the camera here and you can kind of see. I've kind of got some of her stuff set up in here. <laughs> this I've is an exciting time for you. Yeah, I've got a changing table I'm getting ready to put together after we get off the uh, after I get off of here tonight. And I it just come in today, but I'm I'm super excited, man. This will be my first child. Uh, actually. Well, I have three here, but they're they're not mine. But I treat them like they're mine, and I love them like they're mine. But I'm just did. really really excited. Well, you know, uh, for some reason, Nikki and us we haven't got to meet up and, and, and visit and stuff. But we're so happy for you guys, and and I know that you're really excited about this. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to the next little shoemate catfisherman to come around. <laughs> I can't wait either. It's gonna <laughs> you know, be. Awesome. I know when we fished together there at the Lake of the Ozarks here not a few weeks ago, uh, that's majority of what we talked about during the day, and and she really wants to meet you guys too, and she's a great woman, and uh, she takes care of me anyhow, and I'm a lot to put up with most of the time, so 
I, I, she's a great woman, Absolutely. and I can't wait. <laughs> you know, you you just mentioned that, that that we was up to like the Ozarks. You and I and Cindy went up there for an afternoon. We was there quite a bit of the day, and that particular day there was an abundance of shad readily available, easy to get. Now I know it's not like that every day, but we would we would go over a bait ball. Uh, and on our sonar, it just wasn't a small ball of bait like so many people show when they show pictures. And I've got this videotaped, but we're waiting to put together a bunch of stuff to make it nice. But those balls was six, eight foot diameter. Oh yeah. And, and uh, it was I was amazed at the at the at the amount of shad. And, and these was big shad. <laughs> yeah, they were big shit. <laughs> you know, they was they would stretch half nearly across the top of five gallon bucket. I mean, it was great bait, and and there was an it was everywhere we went. That's why there wasn't any fish. <laughs> That's true. But my question is, when those when that bait is hard to find, where do you think it goes? I mean, it doesn't just disappear and come back later. No, a lot of it. I think it depends, and this is my opinion. Like uh, a lot of it depends on what the water temperature is. Uh, you know, a lot of times this year I've seen 41, 42 degree water temperature, and if the sun's shining, guys can't find a bait, and they can't find it nowhere. Well, the only place you haven't looked is in six inches of water. And that's normally where they where they'll be at. I mean, they're going to be where it's warm. And six inches of water, sun shining on your back, it's going to be warm instead of fifteen or twenty. Because I can tell you, I got in the water. Let's see, what was it last weekend? And trying to fix my boat, and four feet down, it was freezing cold. The top of it may have been warm, but it was cold at the bottom. <laughs> but, I know you told me that you had boat problems. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a never-ending story, but they're working on it. I talked to them today, but yeah, you know, and then uh, like that particular day, those, I bet, I would almost be willing to bet anything I had. By the end of the day, that bait was probably back up farther in that cove in shallower water. They were close to the surface then, and then they were scattering out towards the back of that cove, so that's what they were doing. They just kept moving up into the back of that cove. Right. Yeah, it, we had we had a really fun day that day. The fishing wasn't all that good, but we had a real enjoyable time out on the water. And and uh, that is exactly why you go out in them winter days when the sun shining. It was nice and warm. You know, uh, shoot, I'm not even sure I had a jacket on that day. I, it was just uh, it was just really good. And and uh, I was impressed with the the amount of bait that we found. And I know that you and I have talked uh, since then. And and you'd been up there, and the bait was a little harder to find. And uh, I didn't know if they went that deep and was hard to come by or if they was uh, uh, up shallow or just where you thought they went. But that's some good information for people that's that's wanting to know uh, different things. You know, that, that's how they learn to, to find them is if, if you're there one day and they're uh, four or five foot below the surface in big balls and the next day you can't find them, you need to go up to the banks and the backs of those coves. You don't want to go in there so, so tight that you get your boat stuck. But those those fish a lot of times will be in weed lines and stuff like that, and that's where you need to, to look and try to check to get your bait. That is correct. Uh, 
it when they usually when they go shallow like that they will they will scatter and it's sometimes it's pretty in my boat it's hard to get to those spots i mean you know when me and john were catching bait last weekend uh, they were in six inches of water and i'm throwing the cast net as far as i could and you know i could see them you know that's how shallow they were and uh it, it, it's tough sometimes but they're there you know them that bait's there somewhere they don't disappear you know, they might move out to the river channel for some reason when it gets hot. You know, they may be a little deeper, but most of the time, if you can't find them in, in deeper water, they're going to be shallow. I mean, go extreme. Get up in there and get shallow, and that's a lot of times that's where they'll be at. And it'll surprise you how cool it can be, the water temperature, and those fish will be shallow. Right, right, and, and they love sunshine. You know, if the water, if that sun's shining and it's warmed up a spot, they, they'll be in that spot, you know, and and most of the time that's not going to be in very deep water because the, the shallower it is, of course, the, the faster it warms up. Um, let's talk about Missouri River a little bit. All right. You know, you know, I'm a river guy. I don't like fishing lakes. I mean, we have to learn to do it because we go to so much stuff and, and do. But I love current. You don't have to use but one anchor and, and mess around with all that stuff. And usually there's an abundance of, uh, of fish to be found, and there's a lot more structure. Uh, okay. and I, I think structure is one of the reasons that, that I appreciate the, the, the rivers more than the lakes. But um, the Missouri River is loaded with wing dikes. Oh yeah, and people go in behind there thinking that that's where them fish are, and sometimes they are in there. One thing that that guys that that come to fish the Missouri or the Mississippi River is they have to understand when you go behind those dikes looking for fish, you have to be extremely careful because they're always a load of big heads in there, and yes, they sir. will knock you out of the boat and put you in the water. Um, can I know that certain wing dikes hold more fish? either through the blowholes or off to the side of them than others. You may go up through there and you may run up and check out uh, 10 or 15 wing dikes and only one or two of them will actually be holding a bunch of catfish. Do you have any idea why that would be? I A lot of it, I think, has to do with current. Um, you know, if what I call a box dike. It's the one to come out from the bank and they go back down the river channel. That's what I call a box dike. They hold a lot of fish, all kinds of different species. Some are very different than the others. Uh, there's a huge difference. You will find some that are directly in the channel. Those are the ones that are going to be your best bet. You'll find some that are on the channel swing. There's different times to fish all of them. Not all of them are going to produce. I mean, you know, it's just like going to lakes. Some days you may not catch anything. Uh, the the box dikes in the channel, I believe, hold more fish because the channel is right there. I mean, it they can get in the channel, they can move. That's where those fish like to be. They got structure. They can get in the channel. They can move up the the box dikes, and they then they can meander out on the flats. But I don't. I don't know. The deeper holes usually hold more fish around that area. They may not be, you know, the ones that are in the holes a lot of times aren't that active. But the ones with the deeper holes, access to the channel, a lot of water out on the end of the, the tip of the dike are the ones that generally will hold more fish than the others. If you pull up there and you've got 12 foot of water and then you've got six feet in between the dike and the, and the hump, 
that's inside the box dike, you, I mean, you might as well just turn around and go back out. I mean, in my opinion, from what I've found. Well, here's a question that I have for you then. Uh, you know, we fish a lot of dikes and stuff, and you and I and Cindy fished a tournament last year down St. Louis, and, and we get in behind, like in them box dikes like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, this this is what I'm thinking, a lot of times when you're on the, the outside of those dikes, it drops off into the channel, and you have a lot of current, and blues love current. Yes, they do. I think, I think that a lot of times they go up in the slack water behind those dikes to rest, from fighting that current, and then they go back to feed in the in in the uh, the drop off water where the swift current is, and they stay down there until they either have all they want to eat, or till they get tired, and then they go back up in there and, and rest behind the dikes. What do you think about that? I believe that's an accurate statement. Depends a lot of time on what time of year it is. Uh, like winter time, those fish, I mean, they'll be in the current, but most of the time, I, yeah, I know people who catch them in the current, but most of the fish that I've ever caught, they're usually in the second, what I call a secondary hole. It, it's the one inside the dike, the the tip of the dike. You know, there's a, there'll be a hole in the very back of the dike, and then there'll be a hole right there off to the left or to the right of the tip of the dike, and that's where I think they generally hold a stage in one hole and then they move to another hole and they there's bait all in there you know it's everywhere mm -hmm. but during the, it during the springtime I and even late fall I believe that's true what you just said but a lot of times those fish are on the flats and people don't even try them I, they're they're on the flats they're chasing bait you know five six foot of water you know all the time you know, if those if if the shad or whatever kind of bait fish it is that's in in the water that you're fishing, if that suns out and they go up to a bank of some kind, whether it be a sandbar or gravel bar or whatever, and it's in slack water behind that bait, and like you're talking about, if it's 10, 12, 14 foot, six, five, whatever the case may be, if they're up in there in that warm water, them blues especially and and channel cat are going to be up in there waiting for one to drop off where they can drill him. Yes, they are. There's uh, there's a lot of fish in that river, and there's been days where I've thought there wasn't any in it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been pretty fortunate. I've caught some great fish out of it, and I absolutely love to fish that place over. When the conditions are right, it's better than anywhere. I mean, it, it is a great place to fish, and it's beautiful. I mean, you go out and see five, six bald eagles every time you go out. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful place to go. I mean, it, and it's a great fishery. It could be a whole lot better, but it's great. It's a great fishery. Here's something that a lot of people do not know, especially people that do not fish the Missouri River a lot. The Missouri River has hardly any barge traffic on it. Now Mississippi, the Ohio, all them rivers, they are loaded with barges all the time running up and down through there, locking through the dikes, down St. Louis, you know how that is. They're just in there thicker than thieves. The Missouri River really doesn't have hardly any barge traffic. And I'm not saying you go out there and you won't see a barge because you're liable to, but it's not like most of the other big rivers. There's just not as much barge traffic on it. And that in itself makes it a safer place to fish, I believe. Yes, it does. I've maybe seen one or two at night 
Uh, now, I did see one when we were fishing that tournament last Saturday. There was one, but they're nowhere near the size of the, the barges on the on the Mississippi River. They're, they're, those are gigantic. You know, they're huge. Uh, but these barges here, they're, you know, and they'll give you right away. They're not, you know, I mean, they of course, they have a smaller channel to navigate, but, you know, they're, they're not like, they're not everywhere. You know, it, it's not that, not near as bad as the Mississippi River. I agree. I agree. Ray is in our chat and would like to know how your river tactics differ than your lake tactics. Not much. To be quite honest with you, when I go like to Wheeler Lake, I take all the water out of it, and especially in the winter months and probably even during the spring months. I, I mean, it's a river. You know, I try to use the knowledge that I've learned from the river because the, the those blues are they're they're the same just about everywhere you go they just have different structure to follow and I I'm a big structure fisherman you know if it's a ledge or you know uh, a rock or um, you know even a hump it, it's really not that much difference I stick to structure and, and depth I mean besides current you know that that relates to it some but I'm always fishing structure well, the the Missouri River has a lot of structure. It probably has more dikes and stuff on it than any place that I've ever been. Uh, you know, Lake of the Ozark, it has some structure, but it is a lake, and, and it gets high, but it doesn't have the fast, fast current when it raises and goes out like the rivers do. And what's in there, when you find structure, usually it'll always have fish on it, but the river changes so much uh, that they have to go... Uh, you have to go out every time the, the, that a flood situation comes in. You have to go out and find the structure, and maybe it'll still be there, but chances are it's changed. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but there, my definition of structure, the way I look at it, is anything that changes. It doesn't necessarily have to be a tree or, you know, something you've, you know, it, it could be as small as a one-foot difference in the bottom I mean that that small of a change will hold fish you know that's that's what I mean by structure it's not something that you physically have to look at like a tree stump or a great big rock or a boulder I mean any any ledge you know anything like that. if you see a one foot drop off or e even uh, a rise and say there's some bait and you got some fish hugging the bottom right there at the at that one foot hump right there, we'll fish it because those are fish, you know. And they, I, I don't see. Uh, that's my definition of structure. Right. Yeah, and I and I agree with you nearly a hundred percent. And uh, depth changes, little humps and, and ripples. There's any number of things uh, that fish will relate to, and and uh, that's that's you got to use all that stuff to your advantage. Uh, Greg, tell us about uh, your boat and and uh, your your the equipment that you use to find these fish, your 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 uh, depth finder and stuff, and uh, how how you set up to to locate fish when you're when you're going out. I mean, it on the river basically every time you go out, it's a different situation. That is correct. Uh, I run a Lawrence Gen Two uh, Twelve, and I absolutely love it. It, I mean, it's. By far, I used to run a Hummingbird 1198, and it was a great fish finder, but 
per, if you're a person who likes to really fine tune your uh, depth finder, uh, it you can't beat a Lowrance. I mean, it. I love the picture quality. the The 2D sonar is amazing. It, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, they're great fish finders, and there's nothing wrong with the hummingbirds. But I just prefer since running both of them. I would much rather have the the Lowrance. Um Reels, I run uh, Abu Garcia 7000 Pro Rockets. Um, as rods, of course, I run your rods. I absolutely love those rods. And I do have some surge rods. Uh, I run 80-pound uh, braid. Uh, let's see. It's uh, a tough line. And then I run P-line. P-line is probably my favorite mono. I've caught a lot of big fish off of that mono. That's my favorite. Uh, my boat, it's a 2014 Tracker Targa, uh, 19 foot with a 150. It, uh, I had custom rod rack made and live well. I think it's a 70 gallon live well. Gary Ryan, he made all that stuff. The guy that fishes with Justin Cook, he's an excellent, excellent uh, uh machinist and he can weld. He, I mean, I can weld, but that guy can weld anything. I mean, he's very meticulous and very anal about what he does. It's going to be right. If he wouldn't have it, nobody else will. You know, he's very good. Uh, but uh, other than that, I mean, I would say the most critical part is keeping your fish alive, and you've got to have a good live well to do that with. Uh, you, I mean, you do. And it doesn't matter how much it costs or whatever that's the most important part I think if you're gonna tournament fish or try to you know keep some fish you need a great live well I, I agree and and for guys starting out uh, that's probably as good advice as they can be given is what you just said when you get your boat make sure that you have a live well big enough to accommodate the type of fish that you're going to be catching, whether it be channel cat or 100-pound or blues, make sure that it will hold the, the, uh, the fish and that it has the aeration and circulation and be able to change water in and out and if you do filters and whatever and make sure that you can keep the fish alive. Even if you're not a tournament fisherman and you want to catch them and revive them, before you release them in the water, maybe take some pictures and stuff. I, you know, we put nearly every fish in the live well because when we take them out, they're in better shape after fighting, uh, you know, being caught. Uh, they rest up a little bit, and then we release them, and, and we know that they're probably going to be fine. In fact, we know they are going to be fine because they'll just beat you to death by the time you get them to the water. And and that's how you know that them fish are in good shape. So uh, I'm a big proponent of letting them rest up uh, in the live well, but you have to have a live well that's capable of doing it. And don't put too many fish in there where they're going to struggle for oxygen because that's what happens. So many of the live wells aren't big enough, and, and they there's not enough oxygen, and, and they start get in trouble but if you take care of those fish before you release them or before you weigh in uh, that's about as good of advice uh, for people starting out as I know of get out there and have a good time that's the biggest part you know I think that's a something else and and Chris uh, used to be on the show with us all the time and, and he used to preach that to me and I, I knew what he was trying to get through, but sometimes you just can't make it happen. He used to tell me all the time, you need to just go out and go fishing. Uh, because a lot of times 
the only fishing we do is either pre-fishing a tournament or in a tournament. And, and he said, man, he said, you just need to go out and spend the day fishing for fun. And uh, sometimes we get to do that, and sometimes we don't. And that's like the deal with you and Cindy and I went out on the, on the lake the other day. I, I haven't had that much fun in a long time. We really yeah, had a blast. It was a good time, you know. And and last year, I didn't uh, I didn't fish as many tournaments as I did before the year before, and uh, I I went out and fished and had fun. Me and Nikki caught some great fish last year. I mean, some great fish. Uh, in the spring, you know, and uh, we had a good time, and and I really enjoyed that. And uh, this year is going to be, it's it's going to get a little more difficult once Macy gets here. Um, but uh, she told me I can still go out, and you know, I'll get my one trip a month or whatever. <laughs> but uh, you know, I can't wait to meet her. I know she's a real sweet lady, and and we follow her post on on Facebook and see the pictures of the boys and their football stuff, and and and. and I tell I told some people that over the weekend and and, and they say there's no way you can watch all that and I don't see all of it I have so many right. people that follow Chuck and I on Facebook that I can't see all of it but when we're when I'm going through that stuff when I see uh, them kids and their football stuff I stop and take a look at that when I see Joe Lucky's girls in there and their ballerina stuff and the pictures that Janelle has taken I stop and look at that those kids are are the most important resource that this world is God and we all need to pay attention to that and make sure that they're headed down the, the correct path and and I know those boys and Nickies are the, them guys they love their football and they ain't nothing better for a boy than getting out there and routing around with a bunch of other guys and, and them guys are tough I can see that they're just they're just itching to get back out there and go again yeah I pray he's ready boy I tell you what he's a good football player too and he's definitely definitely ready again Yep, yep, that's exactly right. Bobby Vargas just put us a note in here that that uh, uh, his best fish are caught on tournament days, uh, but that don't enter the tournament. You know, and <laughs> that's kind of like Brent Riddle. Brent and I was talking. Uh, oh, I don't know. It's some time ago, and, and Brent says, "Man, I'm catching great fish before the tournament. Tournament day, they're not. I'm not finding them." He said, "I find them, but they don't bite." And and uh, you know that's happened to to a lot of people. You know they'll get out there and they'll find them fish, and then uh, tournament day they they're still finding fish, but they shut down. And sometimes it's it's from weather conditions, and sometimes they're just I think they just fill up. You know. Uh, I do too. Yeah. Don't let it discourage you. I definitely. Uh, I mean, well, if you're catching them on tournament day, and you need to be entering the tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And Bobby's fish in tournaments. Don't 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 let him fool you. Yeah, him and his dad uh, used to fish a lot together. And Bobby lives out there on that Potomac River, and he knows how to get it. He fishes the Potomac and the James, and he knows how to get them fish in the boat. We seen him at the Catfish Conference, and it was so good to see him. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and and uh, he puts fish in the boat, and uh, he he's as tough on tournament days as the next guy. Yeah, I'm sure he is. We uh we're running about an hour fifteen on this show, Craig. I I really appreciate you taking the time to to be on Catfish Weekly with us. Um, if, if you got people that you'd like to thank or anybody that you'd like to talk about, if you want to tell us some more about Macy and Nikki, that's fine. Uh, but but I'll give you some time to do all that before we wind her up for the evening. I I I think I've talked about everybody quite a bit. Uh, my main thing that I wanted to share with everybody is when you when you do fish tournaments and you meet other people that are in the catfishing world, be sure to 
show respect to those people and uh, present yourself in a manner that uh, you know that you're respectful because that show that reflects a lot on your uh, personality and your image. Uh, some people don't care, but I'm one of those people that I care. I treat people like I want to be treated when I'm out there, and it. If you're wanting to get anywhere in, in this industry, that's the type of attitude you need to have because you go to tournament and somebody irritates you, you know, you just you need to let it go and, and just have go have a good time. And most people I know they do. And uh, that that's what this this sport's all about and that's gonna, what's gonna help them make it grow. That that is a hundred percent correct statement and and uh, we have some of the finest people in the whole world that is in catfishing. I believe that with my heart. Every event we go to, whether it be the catfish conference or whether it be one of the tournaments uh, down in Alabama or Monsters on the Ohio or wherever it is, we, we see people and we just have so much fun doing that. But the respect factor, uh, it works both ways. If you give the next guy the respect that, that you should give him, he will return it and you'll make a friend for life and when you see them at the next tournament they'll be the first one to come up and shake your hand and, and, and that is what makes our sport so great. Yes it is. It, it really is. And uh, I mean uh, one more thing. Uh, take those kids fishing. Uh, I, you know, I love to see that. You know, that's my favorite thing to see is is uh, some little girl today that a friend of mine down in Mississippi, uh, they took her catfish and she caught her first catfish. And, you know, and it, it's awesome to see kids still getting out there. And, and with all this technology and everything anymore, they, they don't get out there like they should. But it's great to see parents doing that. Oh, I agree 100%. And, and we've talked about this a number of times, but but the youth is the lifeblood of our sport and not just catfishing. It's any sport. Uh, and we need to make sure that we keep the interest up for these guys so that they can carry on after the rest of us are gone and make this happen. Now, uh, another thing, and, and you know as well, uh, as well as Chuck does, one of the things that, that I really try to push on, and I, know, I try not to shove down people's throat, but guys, take your wife and your girlfriend out fishing. You know, you, they want to spend time with you, and you want to spend time with them, or you wouldn't be with them. And... You know, if they don't like to fish, they want to be with you anyhow so they can read a book or just enjoy the scenery and, like Craig said, the bald eagles or whatever. But once they start fishing, you might have the greatest fishing partner that you've ever had right there. Yeah. I, me and Nikki spent a lot of nights out on the river, and we had a great time. I mean, e even if we didn't catch anything, you know, we, we still had a great time. You know, a lot of memories made that way. Absolutely, you know, we, we Cindy and I fish most all the tournaments together, uh, and we we go a lot uh, to different events and stuff, and we have a good time. And like I say, it's it's one of the best things that uh, I've ever done because we can do it together. And a lot of the other stuff I've done was kind of a single thing, and she would tolerate it for years. But we have our our time that we spend together now is, is just outstanding, and we have a really really fun time. And she, she's just uh, uh, so much help to me when we go do these things, and, and I couldn't do most of it without her. Yeah, well, you're only here for a short little while, so make the most of it, and especially That's, <laughs> That's exactly right, Craig. Uh, Chuck, have you got any closing statements for this evening? You're muted, dude. 
I just want to remind everybody that's going to be fishing the uh, the Cabela's King Cat on Wheeler that the Alabama Catfish Trail is going to be having a tournament on Wheeler the weekend before that. So uh, if you want to come out and fish that one also, uh, and you can use that for uh, you know your pre-fishing or whatever, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be going out of Ingalls Harbor uh, at 7 a.m. Um, come join us and. Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, going out, me and Leanne's going to spend uh, a few days next week with my brother and uh, his girlfriend on Wheeler. Uh, we got a cabin and stuff, and we're really looking forward to that. That's going to be a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be good. I hope Leanne's uh, feeling a little bit better so she can get out. I know that lady wants to fish as bad as anybody I know. Uh, she loves to fish, and... And she puts some pretty good fish in the boat, so uh, you know it'll be good for her to get out and you guys have some fun. And it's your brother's birthday; that'll be an outstanding thing. Hey, yes. why don't you look bad, Chuck? Nikki's made me look bad several times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she, she does. Yeah, that's uh, they call it. A lot of people call it beginner's luck, ladies' luck. It's a woman thing. They just can't wait to get out there and put that fish in the boat and make you hold it because they can't hold it up, you know. I, I let, her catch, let her catch them all. I love That's, to see her catch them. I, I feel the same way. I would much rather see Cindy catch the fish than myself. I know I, I've spent the time, and I found that fish, and if she catches it, I'm thrilled that she gets to do it. <laughs> exactly. There ain't no way I could beat Leanne to the rod. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she, she, she's, crank, she's cranking down on it before I even know it's going. Before it loaded up, I mean, she's already. That's yeah. pretty funny. Um, our buddy Claude Reynolds has a a deal going on that I want to mention right quick. Um, Austin McNew, uh, they're putting on a catfishing tournament for this young man that lives over in his area. It's going to be a benefit tournament, and and. He has got outstanding number of responses for people going to put up prizes and things this term. But this this young man, uh, of all things, uh, an all-star football player, uh, got injured in a sledding accident. Uh, quite a tragic thing. He's working to get back to where he can uh, function like he, he used to do. Uh, they had him standing up, and he's got a lot of things going on. But they're they're uh, they're going to have a benefit tournament. These kind of things that happens to these people, um, the cost and 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 money that it takes to to get these people back on their feet is astronomical. Uh, and if we can get uh, um, some help to him, if you get a chance to go fish this tournament, I believe it's going to be May the 14th. I and it might check Claude's site or page to to check that out. Uh, I know that I've actually talked to this young man on the phone. He is a very nice person. Uh, I am anxious to get to meet him. And uh, if you're in that area during that time frame and you're fishing, uh, go over there and check that tournament out. I think it will be a fun time. It's going to be a great event. And the, and the, the, uh, the money that they're going to give to this family uh, for their expenses is something that uh, is very rewarding to do. So uh, if you get a chance, check that out. Um, Paul Regsdale does uh, a bunch of stuff that people never realize. 
Paul puts on a bunch of stuff for people that is in uh, assisted living facilities. He does a bunch of stuff for for uh, uh, youth and stuff that does not have the chance to get out and do stuff. He buys uh, mostly out of his own pocket and, and uh, a couple of close friends of his uh, tackle boxes and rods and reels, I and mean, we're, we're talking about the uh, inexpensive stuff to get them to where they can go out and fish, and he does a lot of things for these. This stuff costs money, and I know everybody says, well, everybody's after money, after money, after money, but think about this when you're going, uh, when you got an extra buck or two, and, and, and uh, contact Paul and find out how that can be uh, put to good use, because um, so many of us, life is so busy, we don't have the time to spend to do the things that, that Paul does uh, visiting with those people in the uh, uh, nursing homes and assisted living places and, and the youth that don't get to go fishing. He, he takes care of that end in his area, and, and it's a great event that he does, and, and he's able to do it, and I want to want just to let you know that uh, anybody that gets a chance or ha has the uh, idea that they could do something like that, he would be very happy uh, to to tell you how to go about doing that. So that, that's a great thing. Uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors will be holding a tournament this coming Saturday. Uh, it was scheduled to be at the Columbia Bottoms boat ramp. The flood destroyed the the road. The uh, a bunch of stuff around that, and it has been moved to the Sioux Passage boat ramp, which um, you can get on the Facebook page and send Alex a message, and he will tell you how to get there. I've not been to that ramp. Uh, I have passed it on the river, and it's just up the Missouri River a short ways uh, from the Columbia Bottom ramp. Uh, I know after talking to some guys this weekend that they've been catching a few fish down there. It's a little hush-hush, but it always is. And guys are not going to tell you they're landing 70 or 80-pound fish uh, the day before a tournament. But they are catching some fish. And, and uh, I'm not sure, but I understand the bait is, is a little tough to get, but it can be found. You just have to work to get it. Uh, the, the rivers are hit and miss a lot of times on bait anyhow. If you get a chance, contact Alex, get set up to be in this tournament. It'll be a lot of fun. Might be a little cold. I don't think it's going to be terrible, though. The forecast is calling for uh, 40s, 50s, something like that, and sunshine, so it'll be a lot of a lot of fun. And, and I, the, some of the great fishermen that, that's in our area is going to be at that tournament, and uh, you'll see a lot of good fish caught. Yeah. Uh, not a better time to fish. The conditions right now, by this weekend, there will be some huge fish caught in that tournament. Oh, I think so too. Bobby Vargas just sent us a note that Ray Stitcher and Joe Sandbauer is putting on a veterans event on the the uh, Potomac River in October. So uh, keep us updated on that. And, and, you know, that's another cause that is outstanding that we need to make sure that, that we take care of those veterans. They have done so much for us, and we can never repay them for what they do. Uh, we fish the uh, uh, Fishing for Freedom Tournament in Quincy, Illinois, every, every year and take a, a soldier out with us, and it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever been a part of. We enjoy it so much, and them guys, they give everything, and, and it's a chance for us to get just give back a little bit for everything they do. What else we got, guys? That's it on my end. Craig, 
thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Uh, we, we enjoyed having you a lot. Uh, keep us posted on on the baby progress. We want, we'll get you back on here, and you can show her to us when, when she arrives. I'd love to have, do that. Uh, me and you's going to have to get back out on the water here for long, but you, you take care of that baby deal and the fishing, and we can always do that. Oh, yeah. I'm, that's my uh, main focus right now is that uh, little Macy. <laughs> I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And for Chuck Davison, I'm Lyle Stokes. Thanks for watching Catfish Weekly. Next Monday night, uh, Jason Acock. Nope, nope, I'm sorry. Next Monday night, we're going to have the Spouses Show. The 7th uh, of March, we are going to have Joyce Muse and Amanda uh, Morris and... Uh, Jason Mathena's wife is going to be on the show with us, and we're going to talk about how these people support their their husbands in in the the tournament fishing. You know, and they take off and go, and they have to stay home and take care of the stuff. And and not all of them do that. A lot of them go with them, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting show. And and we might even find out some stuff about these guys that nobody else knows about. And and uh, uh, I told Jamie, I said, you just need to go out there on that uh, depth finder of Jason's and get me a couple of coordinates and send them to me. And we'll, do, we'll have a really good time. But we'll see how that works out. So, uh, night, everybody. We'll see you next Monday night.